Okay. I even know what episode it is today. It's episode 29 of the Unraveling Technology Podcast. Welcome. It's me, Joe Tonks, David Johnson, and Dom Harris. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. You, I'm good, you? thanks. Fantastic. Back off after a week off. Yes. Has it been okay? Did I did I keep it all ticking over for you while you were off? Uh, I think so. Nothing seemed to be on fire when I came in on Monday. So. Yeah, that's that's good news. And Dom, been an all right week. Yeah, it's been fairly slow, but. It's been bad. We've broken it up, haven't we, with a with a trip to up to Dockfest yeah. earlier mm. this week. A couple of trips. A couple of trips, yes, which we'll get to imminently. Uh, but yes, it is Friday the 17th of June. I don't think we ever say the date. Just no. Just to throw that in there. <laughs> Friday 17th. You're breaking the magic. In fact, yeah, if it doesn't go up today now, we're going to have to edit this out. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, Friday 17th. It's a Friday. I'm sat here. I've got my shoes off. I thought oh. I'd see if that increases my, my podcasting. Practically already checked out for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's hope I can make it through the next 40 minutes or so. So yeah, we thought today we'd have a little chat about DocFest, since we wandered up there. Not really to see any documentaries. Uh, well, not to see any of your conventional documentaries. We went to see the... Al- is it Alternate Realities? Yeah, Alternate, alternate Realities. Hmm which is a section of DocFest that's been put aside to showcase virtual reality experiences. So we went up there on Tuesday, around Tuesday afternoon, and and initially it was pretty much exactly what I expected in terms of getting into it. I was thinking (laughs) kind of throughout the... throughout Monday, I was thinking, are we going to have to book ahead? Are we going to... do we need to pay? Do we... What's it going to be like? And then we got up there and we did have to have come back a bit later on for a, they for had, a slot when it had quieted down a bit. Yeah, they were handing out stickers for time slots. Um, but you could only get a sticker for that day and you couldn't phone in and book. You had to come and physically pick up a sticker. And yeah, you, you had to go there in the morning and pick up your sticker and then come back later. So we did that. I would think, not that I've done it a whole load, but it's probably easier to get on the VIP list for exclusive nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we can all agree it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing, so so when we turned up there, um, be, before we came back for our, for our slot in the afternoon, we went to one of the rooms next to the site galleries, which is where, because we kind of, as the day went on, we, we went off and looked at different things. Because we didn't want to, all of our experiences to overlap too much. We wanted to hear something fresh on the podcast, but we thought, you know, we'll we'll all start off by going to have a look at one of the experiences. So the first one we saw was Origins, which was to quote the Docfest website, a virtual acid trip with people who started the hippie movement. Yeah. So we walked into a big empty space, big dark empty space. It was cordoned off into... Everyone was being very quiet in a sort of art gallery-ish way. Yeah, and in a sort of respectful way, respecting the the virtual reality, letting it breathe. (laughs) And it was split into two halves, that room. So on the left side, you had uh, an interactive virtual reality experience. And I think that was... Was that the abortion clinic? Yeah, it was about experiences of going to family planning clinics in america with 
protesters and stuff. We didn't go on that one. No, we didn't. it was a bit too long before we... Uh... Yeah, I think it was about... Was it ten minutes? And there were a few it people was, ahead. That one was so. half an hour. Was it? What? Mm. <sighs> I, think, I think the queue for it was half an hour and the experience was ten minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So we opted for the for the smaller... The five-minute yeah. acid yeah. trip. <laughs> yeah, which was good because the five-minute acid trip, you got to at least sit down on a rug. Yeah, yeah they had they had a rug there, and you were supposed to sit on the rug cross-legged. And yeah, it, a few of the AR experiences seem to have one sort of tactile thing that mm. you could that in some yeah. way grounded you in the VR experience. Yeah. So this the acid trip one it takes place in a lounge in somebody's lounge and and you've got a carpet under you. Mm. And then like later there was one in solitary confinement which we'll get to and that was set in in a kind of a space that was set out like a a solitary confinement cell. Mm. Or uh the one at the table as well the one where it oh, simulates yeah, yeah. a dining experience <laughs> but, but all, all that to come. So what did what do we all think of the of the origins virtual acid trip it was it was interesting um so this was all of our first experiences with the htc vive yeah and also i think i mean we've all looked at google cardboard before which is a kind of very entry level um vr solution Mm. but beyond that the only vr that i've done is um is your oculus rift dev kit one so again very early stuff so this is kind of my this is my first experience with sort of retail vr yeah this is it this is this is vr this is vr it has arrived (laughs) my only other experience has been with cardboard and um the university's oculus dev kit one so the same experience basically yeah so we've kind of not really looked in to vr for a, a couple of years a year or two yeah, so yeah, yeah it's, about right. it was interesting. I think the thing I was looking for in it was less about how does it feel to experience an acid trip, which, to quote the guy that went on before us, it's not quite <laughs> like the real thing. <laughs> um, so I guess that's probably not a great experience of what an acid trip is like. But yeah, I was I was more interested in how the technology has changed because I know we on your dev kit one, your Oculus Rift. Um, we talked about having the screen door effect of just kind of everything being quite blurry and because all the the screen is not that high definition then you're looking at it through zoomed in lenses it mm. kind of feels a bit like you're looking at it through a grid yeah through grid some kind of mesh yeah. yeah so it was interesting to see how that had moved on and where it's up to nowadays yeah yeah i was a little bit underwhelmed if i'm honest but yeah. I think I had very high expectations. <laughs> the takeaways that we all were, yeah. especially when you start hearing the price tags for those things. Yeah. Six, seven hundred quid or, yeah. or whatever. Plus the computer to run it, which can be upwards of a grand as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the minimum spec is a GTX 970 graphics card. So a PC with that in, you're looking at another 800 to 1,000 quid, perhaps. Yeah. So yeah, with that entry level, you'd expect it to be something pretty special, but it did very much remind me of the dev kit one yeah. that I had. But I think it's also diminishing returns as well. So yeah. the first time you put a headset on, your first experience of virtual reality, 
it's like wow this is amazing anything yeah. after that is just going to be iterative yeah yeah and then you start like you notice the fact that you've got slightly you described it as looking through binoculars yeah you, mm. you don't have the full range of view and that's still there in the vive even though i think does the vive have a better like view range than the oculus it do well definitely than the dev kit one but yeah. it does have a bit of a wider field of view i think i think yeah. all of them uh or I'll say all of them because there's a third uh, virtual reality headset that's been recently been announced that I'll come to. But I think all of them have a 110 degree field of vision. Right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it is a little bit binocular-ish, as yeah. if you know, yeah, slight tunnel vision. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a lot less noticeable the pixels. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of blur there. I don't think mm. any of the experiences that I tried that day. I, I could sit there and think my eyes are comfortable and adjusted yeah. to this. They all yeah. took some time to adjust. Yeah. I was saying to David, at the end of the day, the last one we had, which was the uh, sitting in the cafe one, that one initially, one of my eyes couldn't focus properly on it. And at some point during that 20 minutes, my eyes did focus, but then taking the headset off at the end, everything looked weird yeah. and unfocused again. <laughs> like one of my, I had to reset one of my eyes. I had to yeah. smack the side of my head until my eye <laughs> yeah. fixed itself. Uh, yeah but it was it was it was good so it was just it was a virtual everybody's sitting on the floor in the lounge and there's some music playing isn't there that was another thing we picked up was that the spatial audio spatial stuff was maybe a bit off i'm wondering if maybe my headphones were on back to front (laughs) i don't know i mean yeah so we were given headphones um so and there's like you're sitting in this lounge and surrounded by it's a it's a computer modeled 3d room but then there's a bunch of people there and they are green screened in Mm -hmm. um i don't know whether they're supposed to be the actual people so i i had a bit of a look around and reading about this um it seems to be tied to a documentary uh that's coming out called orange sunshine um, which is about a group called the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, which mm-hmm. are a bunch of hippies who started a church in Southern California in the 60s and 70s and then mass-produced LSD. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Just before you carry on, I love how the collective term for a bunch of hippies... It's a bunch of hippies. Like, <laughs> a group of hippies. Yeah, a, a gaggle of hippies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you're right, it seems to be a tie-in. Yeah, so it's a, it's a tie-in for this documentary. So, and the documentary, from what I can tell from reading, is made up of a bunch of um, clips of cine film and video from the era, and then interviews with people rather than recreations. Although I've not seen it, so I was wondering whether it was actors green screened in, or whether it was footage taken from somewhere else that was then green screened in but the green screening effect of real people on the 3d background was yeah. not great yeah no. it, it reminded me an awful lot of some of those 90s adventure games i'm thinking oh, toonstruck yeah, yeah phantasmagoria full motion video stuff yeah, yeah. Um, which was wasn't good then and here we are in 2016 <laughs> still having to put up with it there's just some weird things like um because it was in 3D, but then you'd got these 2D images. There was a point when 
there's the guy on your right, this bearded hippie guy on your right, is pointing somewhere over your shoulder, but because he's pointing kind of towards you, but his arm isn't actually any closer to you than the rest of his body, it looks like it's really small. <laughs> he's got really small arm. Yeah. 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 There's bits. Maybe, that, there maybe that's what an acid trip's like. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it could be. Who's to say? Yeah. There's um. There's a bit where a guy reaches out to you i don't know if it's the same guy we're talking about it looked like there was a guy who sort of reaches towards you and kind of like a i don't know feel like a dude yeah. grab my yeah. hand kind of thing yeah. and a part of me wanted to reach back but unfortunately the the uh the crippling social yeah. <laughs> awkwardness of the situation of being yeah. sat in a silent massive room yeah, after all the people up, you can't see, all these people yeah. you can't see, you want to kind of engage with it. So there's a bit where they all get up, isn't yeah. there? And I wonder yeah. if you get up because, it, as well as the headset you've got on your head, there are two sensors either side of you that I guess detect your where you where you're standing in the space. So this is this is the big thing that supposedly is setting the HTC Vive apart from all of the other VR headsets is that it comes with these two sensors that you install in the corners of your room and then they can track you as you move around so the idea is you can move around in the 3D space so just by wandering from one end of your room to the other you can walk about in the 3D world but we didn't we weren't really clear how many of the the experiences had been written so that they would take that into effect well it seemed to me like um it was there it was just that was part of it but then if you moved too far to one of the corners of the room you got a big grid a big blue grid uh mapping out where the room was so you didn't actually walk into anything which i noticed a few times when i went back slightly too far and that's good it's good because i didn't i saw that and i didn't clock it as being part of the spatial awareness thing i thought it was just part of the part of the acid trip (laughs) between you know the the walls melting away and you know being stuck in the middle of the desert i just thought they'd thrown a bit of tron in there as well yeah but uh yeah so despite the the subject matter i mean there wasn't anything about it that was really mind-blowing yeah. Well, no, but I was I was I was going to mention the fact that it was an 18 plus. If you wanted oh, to get yeah. on that yeah. one, yeah. It was a rec- so they gave recommended age ratings for a lot of these experiences, and that was that the only 18 plus one. It was it was definitely 18 plus. Probably. I'd be surprised if the one where you you were followed by a murderer was anything other than 18 plus. But... Oh, what? there was one where you followed by a murderer. Yeah, it was. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. Oh, that one sounds good. Is that a uh, is that an Oculus Rift one or a... no? It was a um, it was a Samsung Gear one. Right. Okay. It was it was the one in the middle. You were basically put in the uh, from the viewpoint of a refugee who was being followed, uh, who was on a, somebody's hit list. Oh, okay. No, it doesn't sound good anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, there were a lot of all of the experiences there seemed to be geared around sort of hard hitting political. There was a fair amount, yeah. Um, there were quite a few about refugees. Mm. There was um, there was one about exploring Mars, and I think there was a spacewalk one. So there yeah. were a few, mm-hmm. a few that were sort of a bit more like experience this thing that you can't experience. Yeah, but yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of them. I guess because it's Dockfest, 
um, a lot of the experiences were more about you know showing you somebody's plight like putting you in the shoes of somebody so that you can experience what life is like or a part of their life is like yeah so one of the ones that i saw uh, which was the only only thing there i think that was using the oculus rift so the vive was there were a couple of things using the vive two or three of them and there were a lot of them using samsung vr but the oculus rift the only one that was doing that that i could see was this one that i played um, that was called We Wait. And that's based on interviews with Syrian refugees showing their attempts to cross the sea to safety. So it starts with you on a beach and a couple of the refugees there um, who are presented in this stylized, animated way, they give you their story of their, the previous time that they were attempting to cross the sea. And then it'll cut to little vignettes where you're on a speedboat as it's shooting across the water and you're the coast guard catches you and makes you turn the boat around and that one was uh well that was just comparing it to the vibe there were a couple of things that i thought were good about it but i think that was more specific to this yeah. this vr experience rather than than oculus rift as a whole so one thing that i thought that it did really well was the contrast so it felt like it was night in as much as you couldn't really see very far ahead of you, but that felt intentional. You could see, because it was it was on a coastline at night, you're waiting for the smugglers to come and pick you up, and you can see flashlights of them combing the beach, waiting for the for the boat to turn up. And there's a lot of that in it. There's a lot of flash not, flashlights being used to direct where you look and a flashlight in your face to disorientate you. Yeah, right. And that worked quite well, because I haven't seen that done before yeah. on VR. Um, the other thing that I thought was good, because the difference with the Oculus is you have a camera, just a single camera in front of you, and there's a little camera on the front of the... Actually, is there a camera on the front of the Oculus? I think it's just like a, uh, a, a marker or a yeah. sensor yeah. that the camera uses to Which you can where. use to detect depth, so you can lean forward and it'll register that you've leaned forward. So there's a bit where you're on this cramped boat... Um, this t- two two rows of people on either side of this cramped boat shooting through the water and someone starts talking to your left but it's not the person next to you so you could lean forward and you could see around the person that was in your way okay. or the person who was mm. talking and that was that was really good yeah yeah that's a good good takeaway so yeah how was how was the performance of that so as in because one thing that i noticed with both of the Vive demos that we did and whether this says anything about the Vive and VR or whether this is just a commentary on the computers that they're using to run things mm. but it got quite low frame rate especially when you're doing things like turning your head quickly yeah. the screen sort of jagged up and yeah it didn't bother me so much I, it felt pretty smooth there might have been a couple of drops but not anything that I was going to Nothing that would have affected my, yeah. would have disorientated me. Hmm. But I deal pretty well with that stuff. I've got quite a high tolerance for disorientating movement and jerkiness, whereas I know, David, you sometimes yeah. have it worse. <laughs> One of my questions going into this whole thing is, now that VR is a couple of years on from the last time I tried it, am I going to get motion sick? Because I, after using your dev kit one for... 10-15 minutes that was kind of I have to stop using this now 
because mm-hmm. this is really making me feel bad. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, so it's still uh, it's still a problem. Mostly, I think in a situation like this, because the VR is it's not tailored to you. It's presented yeah. to everyone. Yeah. By staff at the site gallery. So you don't have time really to adjust the focus, make sure the lenses are on, make sure it all sits sits well and yeah. and you know where everything is. So I guess if you were to customize it more in your home, it would be less blurry or you could you could make it yeah. more comfortable. Yeah. Like Dom, you wear glasses and you were commenting about um at least one of them where you reckoned yes. you probably needed to have taken your glasses off. It was the last one and they said Oh, it'll be fine. It'll just go over your glasses. Yeah, is this, you know, well, then just put it on over my glasses. And I thought, okay, yeah. After about five minutes, I started to feel the bridge of my glasses. I was like, yeah, this is, I should have taken them off. Mm. And then about, it was getting towards the end of it. I was like, actually, I really need this to end now. It hurts quite a bit. But uh, it was all right. It just, yeah, it was uh, a little yeah. painful at the end. And definitely not, I wouldn't recommend wearing glasses with them. Right. Okay. Did you try? Did you try them without glasses? Yeah. Any of them? And I'm far-sighted, so. Right. Yeah, I think that's the right one. I'm trying to think if that means it works or it doesn't. Uh, so the screen's right in front of me, so mm. I can see that right, fairly okay, well. Then. Right. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. I want to, Adam. Adam, if you're free to jump in, do you want to tell us about your? Yeah, because Adam's been bragging, reckoning that he had the the best VR experience. Oh, here. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you take my mic. Yeah, in fact, yes. Well, we'll just share it. Was... It'll be like uh, Bon Jovi or something, both singing into the same mic. You know? Okay, let's do it. Um, you yeah, I can't remember what it was called though. Can you? Are you gonna have you got it written down? VR, a spacewalk experience at a guess. Okay, right. Well, yeah, that was good. That's definitely the best VR uh, experience I've had. Um, so it's just basically like a space mission, and you, well, for for a starters, the queue was massive for it, so it should have lasted fifteen minutes, but they were like putting people in for five minutes at a time, so. That's a sign it's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that said, I looked over at it and there was like a massive space dome there. Yeah, yeah which but... didn't really make any sense because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what the point of that was. But um, yeah, it was good. It was really good. So you start off inside a little space pod, and it was the only one there. I think possibly another one where you had like the the bat the batons that you held and they could track the movements of your hands. Oh yeah, David went on that one, didn't you? Yeah, there was the Mars one. You had the Vive controllers, so yeah, you could move your arms around and grab a flag and yeah. wave it. Yeah, that was that was really good. Um, so like this one was, it was pretty much all based on using your your arms. So you start off in a pod and you have to like climb up to the the door and then open the door, and it's got like little triggers so you can like grab it with your hands. And it was really impressive because you can t- when you turn the the like what are they called bat batons or the oh, controls know. was it was it on the Oculus no, I think it was Vive the maybe. Vive I think it's just the Vive controllers then because the Oculus are the they're the touch controllers I think ah okay well so yeah, yeah when you turn the controllers upside down or whatever it it moved your hands upside down and you could look at your hands and it looked really realistic um cool 
And then, yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, and then once you climb out, you then, like, moving around the outside of the spacecraft and you can like, look above you and see, like, planet Earth and things like that. And it it was really good. It reminded me of, uh, you know, Gravity. That's film. Say, oh, it's not yeah. like any any sort of zero-G floating in space element to it. So I'm um, just wondering about how that would work in terms of feeling grounded and that would nah, be disorientating there wasn't, there wasn't well maybe if you if you carried on like i said i only got five minutes so i only really got like the the first part of it hmm. but so you had to like move you had to move up and like pull the triggers to like grab onto like parts of the spaceship and, and then like move your arm back towards you to pull yourself up so it, that was why it was so good was because there was like a physicality to it it felt like yeah. you were there it's whereas everything else that i've been on is has either been moving around with a a keyboard or just sat in one place and look you get to look around as things happen around you yeah you had a bit more agency in yours by yeah the yeah um but yeah it was really impressive actually i did really like that one awesome i think there was a game that came out when the rift came out called adrift which is Kind of like uh, you in a in an abandoned space station that's I don't know in in the midst of some emergency, and that looks like a similar thing. And I know that's got anti gravity and floating about in it, so mm. I'd like mm. to see how that works. So mm. all right, great. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for sharing. No problem. I'm gonna you go sit go back, back to your control <laughs> board now. <laughs> Come in, over here, taking up the microphone. <laughs> One of the ones that I saw. Uh, it was the solitary confinement one. Yes, six um, by nine. Yeah, that had a had a bit where you were floating. That was a really well done one, actually. Uh, they yeah. they had things like writing on the wall, and uh, it was talking about at one point you. It was talking about the uh, narrators. He was having dreams, and it would show. Uh, dreams on the wall and like it, it was just, projected yeah, it was like a projector yeah, yeah. Really uh, because it, be, uh, it, it was such a sparse space as well yeah uh, it all looked quite especially through the lens of vr it looked yeah. quite realistic yeah really i was realistic. i was impressed by that one and that was on the gear vr but there was one bit where you were floating and i actually i did feel a little bit weightless i thought like my, it was obviously my brain playing tricks on me, but it was it it was done in a really good way. I think I I think that was why I was most impressed by, like just the content and uh, yeah. you know because the gear VR it's not a particularly impressive VR device and without the head tracking I did notice that if I moved too far one way or shifted a little bit then I did sort of think oh wait yeah. Uh, that that's not that doesn't feel great, but uh, just the the actual content of that one, it was mm. it was well done. It was the writing and all of the cues were like properly done and taken into consideration how they'd actually display information. Yeah, it looked um, like they'd uh, interviewed people who'd been in solitary confinement. So it opens by saying, uh, I think it's eighty thousand yeah. people in the US are in yeah. solitary confinement at the moment. And there's there's a bit where a load of personal possessions appear around yeah. the the cell, and by looking at them, it triggers conversations with people relating to that item. Yeah, mm. I did find that if you looked away too quickly, then they stopped yeah. talking, and you couldn't go back to it. But yeah, well, I, I found because I looked away from an object because I didn't realise I'd triggered 
that was you know yeah. I looked at something and then I looked away and the conversation had started and then it stopped but then I looked back and it resumed from where it was okay um, fades so, in and fades out yeah anyway maybe I did, just didn't look at it properly again then yeah. I yeah that was that was a really good one um although so like comparing that to the Vive the, the Gear VR is obviously a you know it's a much cheaper um a much sort of lower end VR solution. Mm-hmm. So I guess because of that, they'd make smaller experiences on it. So yeah. this was literally just a room that you were looking around and you couldn't move or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it ran really well. It did. It looked, it looked good, apart from being rather blurry, um, because yeah. of the low, because the small screen resolution. Um, but yeah, it like. I was saying about looking left and right on the Vive too quickly and the screen tearing up and things. I didn't see any of that on the Gear VR. I was very impressed with that. Though when you're saying about the the bit where you sort of levitate, people, there's like somebody talking about yeah. just the effect of being in solitary confinement for so long without human contact and stuff. And they sometimes they feel like they're floating up towards the ceiling. And yeah. then when it says that you float up towards the ceiling bits like that really started triggering my motion sickness yeah. i can so, i can see why yeah <laughs> i was not a fan of that bit. <laughs> i think it's sort of blurring in and out as well at that point yeah. it's messing with the, the the camera's shaking a bit yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. oh yeah the, yeah a little bit later it talks about your vision going blurry and then it starts blurring even I mean, it was blurry to start with a bit but when it started <laughs> yeah. doing that I was just, yeah, I I couldn't have stayed in that demo for much longer than it lasted. No, I think that was kind of the sweet spot around yeah eight or nine minutes. I sh- I should probably say as well I was already feeling a bit headachy and dizzy going into the whole thing, so yeah. maybe you know maybe I had a worse experience than if I'd been at full health. But yeah, well you're a real trooper coming along. <laughs> There's a lot of VR to sit through. Yeah. Uh, and the last one. Much like the first one, the last one we all played as well. So the last one was called In My Shoes, Dancing With Myself. And it tells the story of a woman called Jane, who's a woman with epilepsy who goes to meet a friend for lunch. And it was interesting how that one was set out because they had it in the in the actual cafe, uh, in the in the site gallery. And they'd put out a table, they decked it with, with the tablecloth, and it had two menus on there and a couple of glasses. So you sit down, and it's two of you sat opposite each other. <laughs> At first I thought, oh, this is going to be exciting. Will we see each other in, in yeah, the virtual reality? I, uh, I, was, I was looking forward to having <laughs> yeah, a yeah. two-player virtual reality thing. Yeah, but, but it's a completely uh, isolated experience, as all of them seem to be. Um Sad experience is a lot. I keep trying to find a different word except for experience, but the, but that, that's what it was. Yeah, you know? the thing, the thing I keep thinking is that I have so far approached VR as purely as a game device. Yeah, like purely for fun and entertainment and playing games and like looking around places that you can't go to. So it was interesting this whole Doc Fest having the angle of you know showing you like putting you in the shoes of refugees and a, a woman with epilepsy and things like that yeah it was, it was interesting to see a different side of vr yeah 
was I think of all of them it's probably this last one the in my shoes dancing with myself one that probably I've thought about most mm. I'm not really sure why I think it was because yeah, the setup of it is you're sat in well you start you're given instructions by Jane who's sort of narrating and and you sort of you're hearing her thoughts mm-hmm. as she's sat there waiting for the friend to turn up and then the friend turns up and then it goes from that but uh I don't, it was very like well, when you recall it in your head what's the name of the fella in it because because the friend turns up and he's oh yeah what's his uh, name? it's like, it like Laurie or something Laurie or yeah. Leonard or yeah something like that and I can still see in my head <laughs> uh, and it, it it feels like a real memory because while you're in while you're in the VR you can look all around you and yeah you notice things going on so this one this one was 360 degree video there wasn't anything built in a computer or anything like that it was all just shot on location in a cafe with actors yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but it was about halfway through because there's a bit where well, let me see if i can remember it that's <laughs> the whole bit there's a so, it's a riddle, isn't it? Yeah, he, he, so he gives you a riddle. And sits down and he says, right, if I go into a shop and the shopkeeper is deaf and I want to buy a pair of scissors, how do you convey that you want to buy scissors? Yeah. And then she does like a hand motion with the scissors, which I did. Yeah. I physically <laughs> did that. Yeah. Um, and then, then he says, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then you go into another shop. And you you go into a pet shop, and the guy behind the till is blind, and you want to buy a dog. How do you like know that you want to buy a dog? And I think that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, the assumption being that you'd make a woof noise or something. Like, oh, he's blind, yeah. not deaf. Just tell him you want a dog. But this is a large <laughs> part of it as well. Um, that she she mixes up the joke when she's trying to retell it to a new character later on. Yeah. And you can hear her internal monologue going, um, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, how do you tell it now? Um, yeah. So the whole the whole experience to keep mm. using that word <laughs> is that you are inside her head. So you kind of you can look down and you're sat. It's her sat in the chair and you're just kind of like in her head somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, you can. She's constantly having this sort of internal monologue um, of her thoughts, but then you can also hear what she's actually saying out loud. And as it progresses on and she gets more and more confused and things start to go a bit wrong, you've got this increasing gap between what she's thinking in her head and what she's actually saying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of culminates in a blackout and then you snap to a bit like a minute later and yeah. you're sat in a different seat in the same cafe your original seat over there is like the tablecloths coming yeah. in wide where she's knocked a drink over it you kind of have to deduce it all in the same way that i guess she does yeah. as well because mm. there's other things like she she says something about oh, that guy's looking at me like he recognized me yeah. yeah and you were saying david you didn't know who she was talking about neither did i really but there was a guy a, a that you can see on a table behind yeah who like a certain point after she's had the blackout sort of starts to come over and you think he's gonna you're like oh who's he who's what's he coming over for but then he says something to the waiter and then he goes back to his table and it's yeah it, it is good because yeah it's it made me realize that i don't know anything about epilepsy <laughs> yeah because <laughs> she's talking about the experience of sort of 
you can see her getting more and more confused and like she's meeting this new person uh, this friend of her friends and trying to retell this this riddle and getting all mixed up and getting kind of upset and keeping trying to tell herself in her internal monologue to keep calm and you know maybe you just need a drink and things like that and um yeah and she's clearly saying something completely different from what she's thinking and then after the blackout she is talking about how she doesn't she doesn't know who her friend is anymore and then after a certain point she realizes that oh yeah this is my friend Mm. laurie or whatever his name was uh and then he like asks her where they are and she's like we're in a cafe like which cafe i don't know Mm. so she doesn't she's trying to like piece together where she is and she can't really remember anything about where she is or why she's there and she's just trying to make excuses and things to try and make it pretend like everything's okay and like telling them don't call the ambulance and no i i probably need to go i've got this meeting but she doesn't have a meeting because she's got plans with her friend and yeah yeah, yeah. it's it was really interesting it was yeah and i think the the implication as well that she's got epilepsy as a result of a bike accident yeah there's... which I, I didn't realize i thought epilepsy was a sort of a, a genetic thing or an inherited thing rather than something that can be triggered more by physical trauma yeah no there's um i think she says in the introduction that she's had she had a bike accident she got hit by a car or something and then like when a character comes in at a certain point they kind of casually mention that there's a bike accident outside and she starts talking about yeah that happens more often than people know and then her two yeah. friends just kind of move on in the yeah. conversation yeah it was interesting it was, I wonder, it was really well done i wonder yeah, if going back and looking at it again there's other things you pick up on i felt like them talking about the bike accident started to trigger her I, right. i'm not sure if that was intentional and that's what happens but mm. it seemed like that that's where she started mumbling and stumbling over words and saying to herself, oh, I, I just need something to drink, I just need something to eat. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And then it sort of ends with another cut, and now you're facing the main character, Jane. Jane. Mm-hmm. And she's basically saying, you know, this is what my, you've, you've just experienced what my life is like a lot of the time. And you look down at yourself and you're like, did, did you actually look down at yourself? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like wearing a, what are those suits called? <laughs> Spandex. Yeah, like, like a, a yeah. motion capture suit. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's all black. So to, I guess to convey the idea that you're just a placeholder now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was an interesting one. One thing I did when we went over there, I was hoping we might get to speak to one of the developers uh, about the experience. Oh, I said experience again of making <laughs> VR things, and um, but there wasn't anyone that I could really speak to there. But mm. one of the questions I did want to ask is, and this is especially off the back of the E3, which. I would love to talk about, but uh, I think we might be running out of time for it. Uh, but in E3, they uh, they said that PlayStation VR is coming out this October. It's coming out with 50 games supported by the end of the year, one of those games being Resident Evil 7. Yeah. Now, I've played horror games in VR before, <laughs> and it's a little bit terrifying, but it made me wonder, as well as the obvious sort of implications of physical trauma from vr you know running into walls getting the cord wrapped yeah. around your neck 
is there did because VR does challenge and invade your personal space quite a lot, do we need yeah. to start putting some sort of warning on on games that come out? People yeah. keep saying that we are, you know, close to the first person who dies from a heart attack in a VR game. Yeah. yeah. It, it is definitely something that needs to be considered and I think a lot of games will have their age rating upped a little bit just even if it's just a, an increase across all games to start with, because it is very personal, it's it does feel a lot more like it's happening to you, and there, I think there do need to be some warnings with that. But hmm. um, because it, it can it can like a lot of people, I don't know, they experience things differently, and if you have any mental health issues or things like that, it's just it is something that you do need to be careful about. But the thing that worries me is that there's a quite a large indie scene around VR. Like a lot of the early stuff is just you know yeah. small groups of people playing around with it. Yeah. And we've all seen things like screamers on websites where you know you trick your friend into playing what looks like some yeah. innocuous flash game where they've got to navigate through a maze or something, and then after 30 <laughs> seconds of them doing that it suddenly gives them a full screen yeah. like horror picture and screams at full volume on the, yeah. on the speakers yeah. like people are probably going to be building some pretty horrific pretty terrifying yeah and completely you know not rated not kind of vouched yeah. for or published experiences on this yeah yes and and then you know, is it is it? Are we going to have a repeat of the you know whole oh Grand Theft Auto trains killers etc. Like VR is killing everyone situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then is it going to have to be monitored or something? Because if 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 something scares you on a TV, you can always like look away. But in VR, you yeah. can't look away. You could, you could close your eyes, but yeah. There was a great video I saw of somebody in a horror game and they uh, were literally trying to back away and uh, I think I think it was just a generic zombie survivor where you had a pistol and it had run out and she was like throwing things about and screaming and uh, like <laughs> trying to duck and things like that. And yeah, I watched a, a video of, I can't remember, it might have been... It might have been the kitchen demo that has now transpired to be Resident Evil 7. I haven't um, seen that demo. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a bunch of people playing it and just cutting between like sort of video of, of them wearing their headsets in this room and just like people crawling into, like <laughs> curling up into balls on the floor and things <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that horror has got such a huge following in VR. Yeah. I have no interest in playing <laughs> horror games in VR. I have little interest in playing horror games anyway, but I don't mm. want to touch anything that's in VR. It's it's too real. I think I, in the same way that horror films are usually quite cult hits or they, they sell well, you know, like there's a sequel to The Conjuring out of the cinema at the moment. It's because that gets the deepest visceral response that is... Yeah. It's kind of a bit of a ride, isn't it, sitting through? Yeah. yeah. It feels like it's something you can do quite easily and cheaply, both in film and in VR. Like, mm. for a lot... I mean, a lot of horror is about what you can't see. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, so even just a, a noise, a creaky noise, or the suggestion of something is. Yeah. yeah. But for that, they'd have to get the spatial audio right, which yeah I didn't which... feel like they did with the HTC Vive at least. No, that's true. It felt like in the the Oculus Rift, the Wii Wait one, yeah. that was better. When you looked away, okay. you could hear them talking behind you. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's a lot easier, I think, to do spatial awareness with sound with a head headset rather yeah. than say a 5.1 yeah surround sound setup so i'm sure that's mm. probably something and yeah, there's, there's various like nvidia or somebody has a solution for that i think a couple of yeah. companies are coming out well, with 3d audio stuff unity has always had 3d audio mm. support so i've i've played a bit with the uh, google cardboard sdk and uh unity's way of handling vr stuff and it's it's quite intuitive. It is, it is literally you place a sound in the world and it will work out, like Google's cardboard mm. will work out where it is and will play it through headphones properly. Right. But uh, I didn't I didn't get much of a chance to actually play with the audio part of it with headphones. I just wanted to... You, uh, you should try. It was one of my apps of the week a few weeks <laughs> back when we did that. Have you ever played Papa Sangra? No. It's uh, it's a game. It's narrated by Sean Bean. Okay. And it's there's no visuals to it at all. You just yeah. stand up with your phone in your hand, and he uses the gyroscope to figure out which way you're facing. Yeah. And you have to use audio cues to work your way around this, okay. say, a library full of zombies that you are imagining yeah. entirely in your head because all yeah. you have is the audio cues to go by. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's worth looking at. I'm yeah. not sure if it's on Android. You have to mm. have a look, but there'll be similar things out there, I'm sure. Yeah. So before we wrap up, um, any anything from E3 you want to quickly discuss? Any things that jump out? So E3 was earlier this week, uh, from Sunday till Wednesday, maybe? Something all, like that. Yeah. It's always weird times because it's Los it's, Angeles times yeah. and then everything yeah. ends up at being you know, two in the morning for us. Yeah, yeah, so this is where all of the Electronic Entertainment Expo is where a lot of the, the, the big companies in video game entertainment come out to show what they've been working on and uh, there wasn't a massive amount of surprises this year but we did get a, a bit of a sneak peek at the new Xbox hardware yeah mm. and I'm interested to see whether they actually do support the Oculus Rift or have their own mm. solution in the future with that they've said it's four and a half times more powerful than the current Xbox one so I'm, I'm thinking they might that might be in they definitely mentioned VR yeah. in passing when they were yeah. talking about releasing this new. So it's Project Scorpio, is it? Yeah. Scorpio. So it's it's not a replacement supposedly for the Xbox One. It's a kind it's of an Xbox One point five. It's yeah. yes, it's part of the Xbox One family. Yeah. So they've got the Xbox One Slim, which will just be the same as the Xbox One, but smaller and supports 4K. Mm -hmm. And then they've got Project Scorpio as well. And they, Which is they're a kind powerful of, thing. Yeah, I think they're marketing the Scorpio as uh, the games console, where the Xbox One is the home entertainment system. Which, And you have to imagine from here they'll go into a bit of a cycle. So rather than yeah. having clear-cut generations of yeah xbox xbox 360 xbox one yeah you'll have all this falling under the xbox umbrella and yeah. then alliterate on it kind of the way that they do at the mobile market yeah at the moment yeah 
they're all saying they're saying that everything will work across the entire family yeah but how exactly that works i don't think anybody said yet so whether you'll get a kind of barely running cut down version on your xbox one of a game yeah that's clearly was written for the for the scorpio or whether it will just be like you know you get slightly better shadows and volumetric lighting and stuff on the new one yeah yeah it, yeah. it remains to be seen it does yeah um, it'll be interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to see what PlayStation's response is as well with their yeah. um, project have, Neo. Is it? Yeah, they have said a bit more about how they're doing stuff. And yeah, they said they were surprised that Xbox kind of teased the Scorpio rather than actually saying anything about it. Yeah, I think the general consensus was that Xbox would follow their lead and think, okay, well, yeah. Sony aren't announcing, so let's keep ours under wraps and yeah. present it a bit later. Nintendo on. didn't announce either. So they've got the NX that they want. Oh yeah, but I think it was they said a while ago they yeah. weren't showing that till 2017. So. Yeah, which is it's a fairly smart move because it will be overshadowed by the Xbox One and the PS4. I can like, I'm expecting yeah. it to be massively overshadowed by them because they Nintendo just don't do like um, like TV consoles well. They perfected handheld consoles, but the the Wii and the Wii U just didn't. They were a bit of well, a bit underwhelming. The Wii was Wii. very popular, but mm. amongst people who kind of they bought it and they bought a couple of games for it, and yeah. then that was it. That's all they wanted, yeah. and that was kind of the problem: is they already yeah. had one and they didn't see the need to get yeah. the Wii U. And the Wii U didn't have enough games as well, yeah, because like, there were very very few third-party developers for the Wii U. So, mm. yeah. The other thing out of this was that Razer. That company that creates all of the gaming peripherals, keyboards, mice, yeah. etc., are producing their own headset as well, called mm. the HDK2, which stands for Hacker Development Kit 2. <laughs> wow. The, definitely the edgiest of the VR headsets. <laughs> so from the uh, from an article on Destructoid, the HDK2 is part of the company's open source virtual reality consortium which aims to democratize VR and allow for developers to more easily make games that will work on multiple VR platforms. Now this is something that everyone was saying VR really needs if it wants to thrive. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you don't want to create all these segmented marketplaces. However, Oculus have kind of gone up their own way with that and have been accused of throwing up this walled garden yeah. whereas Vive to my knowledge, all five stuff tends to work cross-platform. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, good. it's just good to have some healthy competition there as well. Yeah. And this, same, pretty much same spec as the other two, but $400. Mm -hmm. So already drastically yeah. cheaper than the others. So you can only imagine what it'll be like in another, yeah. another year or two. Do any of them have 4K screens yet? That's something I meant to look up. I think they're all, all the same screen. Yeah. Because that I think, if you can get a 4K screen, because the Sony Xperia Z did it, uh, the Z Premium, Z5 okay. Premium, right? Uh, they've got a 4K screen on a mobile, and it's the first 4K screen on a mobile. And I almost bought it so I could see what virtual reality looked like with it. It's I think it's the resolution and the refresh rate on the screen that really needs to needs to yeah pick up be stepped up yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Okay, let's close out. I've got my Kickstarter of the week. Yeah, Dom, this is a new thing we do where we oh, okay. we find a Kickstarter <laughs> of the week. 
Uh, this one usually is a, it's a nice little bit of fun to try and figure out what exactly is meant, what it is based on the name. Yeah. However, I feel I've given the name away here. Selfie broom. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, it's doing all right actually. It's got a it's got. I think it's got over 30 days left on his Kickstarter, and it's got 5,000 of its pledged pledged out of the 15,000 gold that it wants. So, selfie broom. <laughs> it's a, there's a little picture, little picture there. There it is. It's standing up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, with selfie broom, you can stand your broom up without the risk of it crashing to the floor or scuffling your walls. So. It's got a little kickstand on it. Okay. So, you know, if you're sweeping and something else distracts your attention, yeah. you don't have to carry it all the way to a wall and prop it up. <laughs> you just put the kickstand on and it'll stay upright. Which also has the added benefit of alerting others as to where your dirt pile or wet floor is. No more kids tracking dirt through the house after you've swept or falling on wet floors. Because I'll see the broom and think, ooh, let's uh, walk around that pile of dirt. And then the third, which, to be honest... I think uh, I think this sells it. I mean, at this point, you've got a cool broom, but yeah. mm. take a selfie. All you have to do is place your phone in the stand, set your timer, and take your best selfie. So there's like a little little recess at the top where you can slot the phone and, and do a selfie. Just just swept the floor. <laughs> just <like> a <laughs> selfie. In the middle of it. Selfie with the dirt pile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mark, mark the dirt pile. Lie down in the dirt pile. Take yeah. a selfie and throw up the gang signs. <laughs> Take a selfie. But you just know selfie broom will have its own hashtag and they'll encourage people to put up. Yeah. There is some rubbish. What was that hashtag that I saw? I sent I sent it to Adam. Hang on, I've got it on my phone. It's um I was in I think it was it was B and M at the Meadow Hall Retail Park, mm-hmm. and <laughs> wait for it. Did they want you to hashtag something? Yes, they did. So it's for Pampers, Pampers wipes. Okay. Just some bottom wiping wipe for babies, and this stand says, "Don't fear the mess." Hashtag Pampers poo face. Every time wow. I see one of those, I'm really tempted to go on Twitter and just see, is anybody using that? Does anybody tweet about that? I mean, that was going past, that was going back a bit. Adam, you're good at Twitter. Could you quickly check whether Pampers Poo Face has gained any traction? I mean, there is there is people, I don't think anyone's actually taken a picture of themselves. So no pictures. I mean, <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, I didn't put the hashtag on. Hang on. Just while... Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, actually, it's mainly just, like, pictures of the little kids doing it. <laughs> this is weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've opened up a very weird sort of doorway, this, gateway into the world of... This picture here. What's your fave poo face? <laughs> It's a picture of a wow. baby looking mildly discomforted with the accompanying slogan, what's your fave poo face? Hashtag Pampers poo face. Yeah, it's weird. Someone here says this makes me laugh so hard. I guess it works, you know. We're talking about it. Yeah. It's probably yeah. people racing out the door right now to go and buy Pampers. 
Pampers, if you want to send us some uh, <laughs> yeah, right. advert money. <laughs> some complimentary Pampers. That'd be great. <laughs> let's I, let's I wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, let's. Okay, well, uh, that'll do. We've got a weekend to go and start enjoying. Not that I'm not having a wonderful time right now. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you for listening to our VR extravaganza. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do. Email us at podcast.unravelingtechnology.co.uk or hit us up on Twitter at unravelingtech. Hashtag. Hashtag Pampers Let's try to think of a tech equivalent. Pampers tech face. Blue screen face. Unwrap tech face. Blue screen face. Yeah. My face when my computer blue screen. Upgraded to Windows 10 face. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the things that I, uh, that I saw that I thought was quite funny. Someone had had got a picture from E3 of Phil Spencer. The Microsoft guy. Yeah, the Microsoft guy out on stage in front of a big screen that says Xbox. And someone had superimposed the ready to upgrade to Windows 10 <laughs> box in front of it, which is great. Yeah, so get in touch with us on uh, Twitter at Unraveling Technology. Hit up the blog unraveling.technology I'm told there's a very good article about Windows 10 upgrades on there is that right Adam? very good yeah and of course if you want to leave us an iTunes review then you know we're not going to sniff at that you can find us um, unraveling technology on the iTunes store but from all of us here thank you for another week and goodbye Bye. bye